The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so last week, we started a brand new series, and we were talking about uh, the worry-free life. We started a brand new series talking about the stress-free life, amen? And we said the title of the series is The Worry-Free Life, uh, also known as The Stress-Free Life. And notice we didn't say the series is called The Problem-Free Life, because there is no such animal. As long as you're on this side of the world... I mean, there's going to be problems. Things are going to be thrown at you. Uh, but the Word of God promises us uh, peace in the midst of all uh, life challenges. Jesus said, in this world, you will suffer tribulation. You will have some uh, challenges. But this is what he went on to say. He said, uh, but be of good cheer because I have overcome uh, the world. So in the midst of all life problems, in the midst of all life challenges, you can still be of good cheer. Can I get an amen? And so in Matthew, 6, we started off looking at what uh, Jesus said about the matter. We looked at all the different uh, uh, perspectives in the Word of God that talk about uh, this worry-free life, and uh, we said we're going to look at it from uh, Jesus' perspective. We're going to look at it from the Apostle Paul's perspective. We're going to look at it from the Apostle Peter's perspective. So last week, we looked at what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had to say about the matter. He actually had some good things to say about the issue, amen? If you read in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 24, I mean, starting off this, that, that sermon, uh, Jesus just cuts to the chase and he says, do not worry about anything, amen? Uh, verse 25, verse 25, he says, do not worry about anything. You know, what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on, uh, or uh, 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 where you're going to sleep. Because your heavenly Father knows that you are in need of all these things. So, what we learned from last week is that Jesus doesn't want any of us to live uh, a worryful life. Amen? He wants us to live a worry-free life. He wants us to live a stress a free life. That's your heavenly father's will for you. His express will for his children is to not have any worry torment them. Your body, your soulish realm was not created to carry uh, any of the worries of life. Amen. That's why when you start worrying, you can actually uh, uh, get your uh, chemicals in your body out of balance and it cause all kinds of uh, problems. He also uh, told us that it's not going to help you. Jesus told us uh, in Matthew chapter number 6 that it's not going to make you grow taller. In other words, you're not going to get any benefit uh, from worrying. And uh, so what should we be doing if we stop worrying? Someone may ask. He told us in verse 33, he said we should be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of doing things, and all these things shall be added unto us. Amen? That's a quick recap. And today we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul had to say about the issue. So quickly, let us go to Philippians chapter number 4, and we're going to be reading from verse 6 to 8. Philippians chapter number 4, from verse 6 to 8. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. Uh, he says, be anxious. Uh, that word anxious is also this, uh, a synonym for the word worry. And so he said, be anxious for nothing. Amen? Uh, the big things... You shouldn't be anxious about them. The little things, you shouldn't be anxious about them. He didn't say, you know, uh, uh, be anxious when it's a big issue in your life. No, he said, be anxious for nothing. Did you see that? Yeah. Be that. Be anxious for nothing. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Someone say in everything. He says in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And when you do, there's something supernatural that happens. Verse 7, and the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding. Did you read that? There is a peace of God uh, that is not based on circumstances. There is a peace of God that is not based on the economy. There is a peace of God uh, that is not based on the COVID-19 graph. It's a peace that is based on who God is. It's a peace that is based on who Jesus is. It's a peace that is constant. Someone say amen. Uh, it's a peace that comes from God uh, himself. And he says this peace uh, surpasses all understanding or it goes beyond what you can figure out. Have you ever been in a situation in life where you've tried to figure this thing out from uh, different angles, but you still uh, end up in the same place? I've been there where you're looking at this thing, man, and, and, and one plus one plus one equals three, and then you switch it up. You say, okay, I'm going to do it different. Two plus one, you're still at three. In other words, you only got three rand in your account. So it don't matter what you look, how you look at it. I mean, this is the situation, right? Uh, he's saying here there's a peace that goes beyond what you can figure out uh, in your own human self. Because we are limited. And this peace is supernatural. It is based on who Jesus is, the Prince of Peace. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means this peace can be the same in your life, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? But I like what he says right at the beginning of this verse in verse 6. Next week, we're going to be looking at verse 8. I didn't even want to go there because man would have been here uh, uh, at least two days just looking at verse 8. So I'm not even going to go there. We'll go there next week. Amen. But this is what it says in uh, verse 6. It says, be anxious for how many things? For nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry about anything. That's what he's saying in plain English. And I looked up that word uh, anxious. I wanted to see what it means uh, in English. And so uh, I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance, and the first definition that came up was uh, to be anxious is to worry. So he's saying do not worry or be careful uh, for nothing. And the second meaning of this word, I mean, it literally drew me in. It caught my interest uh, in the Greek lexicon in the Strong's Concordance. If you look right down, you'll see what is called the Greek lexicon. It's a it's going to, you know, define some words uh, for you. And uh, this is what it means. In the Greek lexicon, the word anxious means uh, do not seek to promote one's personal interests. So when he says be anxious for nothing, he is saying do not seek to promote one's interests, which shows me that every time we are focused on self, we're going to get uh, stressed. We're going to get worried. But when we are focused on God and His kingdom, we're going to, you know, literally defeat that spirit of worry. And that's why he said in uh, verse 33 of Matthew 6, 6, he said, Seek first the kingdom, the king and his domain, and, and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen? And so this word anxious, uh, uh, man, it means to seek or to Seek to promote one's interest. God hasn't called any of his children uh, to live for self. Man, when you are just focused on self, you make a little small, small package. Amen? And it comes with worry and stress uh, with it. Uh, Pastor Dan uh, said something very powerful on Wednesday at the Grace Podcast, uh, you know, about this word, uh, uh, anxious. In fact, my wife said it, and he added some, some of his uh, perspective in there. My wife said, if you look at the word anxious, right at the center of that word is the word I. And man, when you, and, and Pastor Dan, this is what he said, he said, man, you need to check your eye level. And someone didn't get it because they thought, you know, we're talking about check your eye level. But he's talking about check your eye level. When all you're talking about is I, when all your statements are filled with I, you are drawing yourself in the direction of worry, stress, and fear. But when all you're talking about is God and his kingdom and others and how you want to uh, uh, be an instrument that God can use to serve others, you literally uh, 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 heal yourself. You literally move yourself from the uh, place of worry, fear, and stress over here to the place of fear, to the place of peace. I beg your pardon, to the place of peace and provision from the Lord. Amen? And so God is calling us to focus on Him and not focus on ourselves. 
You know, I was saying in the first service, uh, if you want to be used by God, you want to do something great for Him, you want to change the world, uh, you're going to have to uh, uh, div- divorce yourself from your own personal interest. Your own personal interest will limit what God is trying to do in your life. You know, when you buy a new gadget, a new cell phone, a new, you know, laptop or a new uh, uh, MacBook, you know, one of the things uh, you're going to do right at the beginning is to key in and uh, personalize that thing to your own uh, personal preferences. And every time you log in, it's going to give you your own uh, personal preferences. Now, when it comes to doing something great for the Lord, you need to turn off your own personal preferences. Uh, turn off, turn, turn them off, and turn on God's preferences over your life. Amen? Because as you go out there to do something for the Lord, there's going to be opposition. I hate to say it to you, if you're going to do something greater for God, if God has called you to do something greater for Him, man, you need a little uh, a skin that's a little thicker than what you are working with right now. Because people are waiting for you out there. They're going to oppose you. They're going to talk about you. I mean, they're going to bring, bring things at you. Uh, and if you really want to do something great for the Lord, you better just get on with the program. In fact, I heard that this phrase, I heard it uh, from church folk. I heard this phrase. I heard someone say, uh, uh, Pastor T, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to engage with nothing at all from in this season that I'm in because I've been church hurt. It's the first time I ever heard that statement, church hurt. What they mean is, you know, people uh, talked about them in the church in a way that wasn't nice and they were hurt. I was hurt. Can you imagine the apostles, the first 11, all of them died as martyrs, right? All of them were stoned, crucified, or something crazy happened to them. Can you imagine if, if they were operating at that level of, you know, church hurt? Can you imagine? You see the other five brothers, you know, dead. They're crucified. They're killed. Okay? And you know it's coming at you. You're the 11th one. You know one was killed. One was boiled in cooking oil. The other one was caught last week. And the other one, they're going to find him. And, and man, all this news is coming at you. And here you are pampering you. You know, I, I, I want to be hurt. You know, they hurt me. So I'm going to. Can you imagine the disciples talking about church hurt? Jesus said in this world you'll have persecution. People are going to come against you. But you need to grow beyond that. Amen. Can I get an amen up in here, up in here, up in here? Man, you need to grow beyond that. Yeah. People are going to, I mean, things are going to happen. My wife and I, we get to do, you know, ceremonies because Faith of Church is a multi-ethnic church. We get to do ceremonies like birthdays and weddings, funerals, and things of that nature. I remember this specific one, and, and we're talking about turning off your personal preferences, right? That's what we're talking about. And I remember going to talk to this person, and they had wanted my wife and I to do this thing. And uh, they came and they said, man, we would love for you to do this ceremony for us. But just a word of caution, Pastor T, half, half my family don't like you. <laughs> now, if I was going with your church hurt doctrine, I would have said, you know what? I ain't coming. But here's the deal. There's an assignment that's greater than how I feel. So I said, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do what needs to be done. We're going to get the job done. Yeah. And let me, not, let me not, you know, deceive you. There was a flesh side of me that was rising up even during the ceremony. Can you imagine standing up here with your wife and kids and you know half the people that are listening to you don't like you anyway. There was a flesh side of me that was rising up during the ceremony to just stop the whole thing and say, hey, by the way, to the half of you knuckleheads, who don't like me because I'm black, let me just tell you, you should have taken time out to learn about me so that you can judge me by the content of my character and not the color of my... I really felt like saying that. But that's not what God has called me to do. God has called me to turn off my personal uh, preferences so I can turn on God's preferences. Man, I hear people talk about, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to quit going to church because people were talking. Man, you wouldn't last a day in my job. Man, people talking about me is staple food. And I like it because if you're going to talk about me, it means I'm doing something right. Come on. Come on. Amen. The bigger the Goliath, the bigger the promotion. Just use these challenges as a stepping stone. And don't let them defeat you. So the word anxious, do not do that. Do not, you know, live your life by your personal preferences. Turn them off and turn on God's preferences. Can you imagine the apostles, you know, Paul and Peter, they had a fight. And the apostle Paul saying, because Peter, because you hurt me, I'm I'm not going to send that letter to the Corinthians anymore. I'm not going to, I'm just not going to do it. 
because you hurt me. I'm touched right now, so I'm not going to write that letter to the Philippians. I'm just, I'm going to put the pen down. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. And then they quit on, on, on his assignment to write two-thirds of the Bible. Man, we have become soft. And we need to rise up above it. Can I get an amen? amen? We are a group of world changers. God has called us to do some greater and something bigger than ourselves. And we're not going to do it leading with our personal preferences ahead of us. Hallelujah. And so he says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Someone say, with thanksgiving. So he's showing us the antidote for anxiety. He's showing us here uh, the remedy for anxiety. And he says, it is this. In everything, by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to your friend. Let your request be made known to the government. Let your request be made known to your boss. No, that's not what he said. He said, uh, let your request be made known unto God. And there's another cousin uh, 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 to this scripture, if you read in James chapter number 5, verse 13, it's that verse is uh, uh, relative. This is what it says. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Sure. Let him pray. Wow. Notice it didn't say, if, is anyone among you in trouble? Let him get on the phone and stay three hours pouring out. Just pour out. You're going to feel better when you just pour out. Did you see that? Notice it didn't say, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them go for a shopping therapy. Yeah, I'm just going to go to the mall and just buy myself something to get. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them put it on Facebook. Sometimes you've got to face your problems and not Facebook them. You heard it at church first. <laughs> Amen. He said, is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Amen. So, uh, you know, I meet a lot of people. They say, man, I don't have a prayer list. I can't come up with a prayer. I don't know what to pray for. If it's troubling you, that's an indication of what you should be praying for. Amen. Amen. Your prayer list, your prayer request is the things that are giving you uh, 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 sleepless nights. You should be praying about those things. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. He says, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. But back to exhibit A. He said there in verse 6 of uh, Philippians 4, he says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And sometimes we just speed read through these principles. Man, these things are powerful. He said, when you make your prayers, you must make them with thanksgiving. And when you do, Uh, uh, do that, then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding is going to come and guard your heart. Amen? Your prayers must be accompanied with thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving is a faith indicator. Let me say that again. Your thanksgiving is your faith indicator. A lack thereof is a fear indicator. You know, if I came to you after service and I said, hey, listen, uh, I'm looking for 500 rand. I want to take care of some stuff. Uh, and if you say to me, hey, Pastor T, don't worry about it. I didn't bring my cards today. I didn't bring any cash. Uh, but I'm going to give it to you on Wednesday. If I'm not a rascal, if I'm a good, well-mannered person, what should be my rightful response to what you just said? Thank you, thank you right? Mm-hmm. But I haven't received the money. Mm-hmm. Why am I saying thank you? Because I trust that he's going to give it or she's going to give it to me on Wednesday. And that's what happens when you pray a prayer and you have faith that the Lord is going to act on your behalf. You don't have to wait until Wednesday for you to say thank you. You can walk right out of the prayer closet with a thank you. You know why? Because you know that he gave me his word even though I don't have the thing right now. I mean we have more faith in people. Than we do in the Lord. If the Lord say, hey, listen, I'm going to hit you up on Wednesday. We say, oh, no, Lord. Uh, uh, let this traffic light turn red before I cross. To, for me to know it's really you. 
But you didn't do that with the guy who said, uh, 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 I'm going to give it to you. Man, when we go and apply for a job, you go and apply for that job, and you're, you, know, you sign the contract, they tell you, hey, at the end of the month, 25th, uh, we're going to give you such and such an amount. Some of you on the contract, you haven't even received the amount. You, I mean, you don't even know what those liars are going to do with you and with that money. But some of you, you take that contract and you go and open a Vodacom account, a Edgar's account. I mean, you buying a car on the basis of a contract, you haven't even received the money in your account. And when God gives you a blood-dipped, guaranteed contract to say, I'm going to take care of this, we can't even take that contract. You know why? Because we, you know, we, 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 not, we really know we have probably more faith than in those liars than we do our Heavenly Father. Man, God has given you a promise. That's blood guaranteed. If he says he's going to take care of it, he's going to take care of it. If he says he's going to feed me, he's going to feed me. Amen. His contract is guaranteed. Hallelujah. And so he said we must do this with thanksgiving. Let's quickly go now to Matthew chapter number 14. I want to look at something. Matthew chapter number 14. I'm going to read from verse uh, 15 to 21. Matthew chapter number 14, uh, from verse 15 to 21. It says, it's talking about Jesus. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him, Jesus, and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. I like Jesus' predisposition. He's always looking at the church. He's always looking at the believer. He's always looking at you, the disciples, as the solution center for the world. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world. Amen? And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, don't send them away. You take care of them. And so when people come in here, this is the solution center. To spiritual problems, physical problems, financial problems, you get into God's word, man, it'll fix all of what's broken. And so Jesus said, you feed them, give them something to eat. Verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. The disciples quickly reveal to us how they live their lives. They live their lives based on what they can see, smell, taste, hear, and touch. They said, man, this is what we have. But how many of you know that this is not all I have if I have God in my corner? Amen. That's good. I have this and more. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But because they walked by sight, they were limited. Amen. And so Jesus said something very powerful. Verse 18, Jesus says, bring them here. Bring the two fish and the five loaves here. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Did you see that? Jesus didn't take the two fish and the five loaves and look, looked at it from the perspective of the disciples. He didn't take the two fish and the five loaves and said, man, this is not enough. He took the two fish and the five loaves and the Bible said he looked up. If you, you know, reading it with a religious mind, it just sounds like Jesus is doing something religious. You know, I mean, he's in his, you know, purple robe, and then he took these two fish and the five loaves, and then, oh, look at him, look at Jesus. He looked up, and then when he turned around, something magical happens. No, the Bible, when it says he looked up, is that Greek word anablepo. Anna, which means secondary, blepo, which means sight. And so when it says Jesus looked up, it literally means Jesus looked into a secondary parent spiritual realm where everything originates. So when Jesus took the two fish and the five loaves, instead of letting that limit him, he looked into the spiritual realm. And how many of you know that in the spiritual realm there are no limitations? 
in the spiritual realm, God is Jehovah Jireh. In the spiritual realm, he is El Shaddai. And when Jesus peeped into the spiritual realm, he saw how heaven had already released by grace a supply for all of his needs, and it turned something on the inside of him that by the time he turned around to look to this realm, he was full of thanksgiving. And so what he saw in the spiritual realm produced thanksgiving in his heart. And so when we say you ought to give thanks, if you want to get something by Wednesday, we're not talking about you using it as a, as a, as a, as a magical you know, you know, word. We're not talking about you uh, using it as, you know, this, this thing that pastor said, if you say thank you, then things are going to happen. So I'm just going to say, hey, Lord, I believe you for a Mercedes Benz, thank you. And then you wait for it for Wednesday. That's not what we're talking about. Do you see that? What produced thanksgiving in Jesus was because he had seen something. So it's not a surface level thank you. It's a thank you because I've seen a greater reality than what I'm looking at right now in the physical. And that's why scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, we do not look at the things that we can see with these physical eyes because the things that we can see with these physical eyes are what? They are temporary or they are subject to change. We look at the things that we cannot see with these eyes, but we can see them with the eyes of the Spirit. We look at those things. Why? Because those things are eternal. And when Jesus saw in the spiritual realm, he said, thank you. And immediately, what was not enough became more than enough. I want to talk to someone who feels like you have limited resources. Instead of cursing those resources, it's time to look into the spiritual realm, see a greater reality, let that flow into your heart so that it can proceed out of your mouth as thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, God is getting ready to multiply those things to become more than enough. Jesus didn't take the two fish and the five loaves and say, Lord, I don't even know why you sent me here on the earth. Can't even feed people. Look, look, look what I have. Two fish, five loaves. What's he going to do? Amongst many. He didn't say that. He said, thank you, Lord. And what was not enough became more than enough. Some of you, you've been stuck on the place of two fish and five loaves, and it ain't doing much for you because you haven't taken time out to see a greater reality. You haven't taken time out to let that build and paint new pictures on the canvas of your imagination. Fill your heart up to the place where you start praising God and saying, thank you, Jesus, and God will literally translate you from where you are to a place of abundance. That's what it takes. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Quickly, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter number 20. See, when you look at things in the spiritual realm, you'll realize that we have a greater advantage. You'll realize that we have at our disposal are greater resources. You'll realize that the power of God at our disposal is by far greater than the things that are coming against us. Can I get an amen? amen. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, I'm going to read from verse uh, 21 to 26 in the Message Bible. We encounter the king of uh, Judah. His name is uh, King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat uh, is in a fix. I mean, he's got three uh, other nations that are coming against him, and they are going to attack Judah. So they are, you know, getting ready to uh, ambush them and attack them. And so he gets this word from a spy that, hey, there's these three dudes, uh, the king of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they're coming to attack you. And so he called for a meeting with his elders, and he met with his elders, and he starts talking, you know, with his elders, and he, you know, they're having a conversation, and they went to the prophet and prayed. And this is what the prophet said. The prophet said, hey, listen, it's not even your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord, and the Lord is going to fight this battle for you, and he's going to bring a victory for you. And so he said, how do I know that's what's going to happen? And the prophet said, what you have to do is to put the singers, the praise and worshipers, in front of the army. And as you go uh, 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 into the camp of the Ammons, uh, Moabites, and Mount Seir, you are going to see a victory. So he says in verse 21, after talking it over with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God. It's the only time where uh, the choir department was not popular in that church. <laughs> He's saying, we're going to be at the front of the battle. I don't want to go. 
It says, Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God, dressed in holy robes, and they were to march ahead of the troops, singing. And I would imagine when Jehoshaphat went to the Lord, he probably said, Lord, you see what fix I'm in. I have these three nations coming against me. I would like, if you will, Lord, to bless me uh, with the uh, uh, most sophisticated, you know, technology in the area of ammunition for the day. So that when I go and attack, it's going to be a guaranteed victory. And here's what the Lord did. The Lord gave him exactly what he asked for. What we are getting ready to read is the ever sophisticated ammunition for today as it was for that day. Man, you start working with this ammunition, you are about to see yourself win. And this is what the Lord said to him. He said they were to march ahead of the troops singing, give thanks to God. His love never quits. It's interesting that after the Lord told uh, Jehoshaphat to put the choir in front of the army, the Lord also prescribed the lyrics to the song that he wanted them to sing. Because if the Lord had just said, hey, put the choir in front of the battle and sing something. I mean, Christian people sing all kinds of stuff. Someone would have started a song about you know, today we're going to perish, today we're going to perish. And the whole church would have joined it, today we're going to, I mean, throw their hands in the air, talk about we're going to die today, we are nothing, we are not. oh, life is hard. <laughs> right? And so the Lord was like, okay, I'm going to tell you to do something, but I'm also going to write the song that I want you to sing. And this is what you must sing, give thanks to God. In other words, what you must sing is, thank you, God. Wait a minute. But the army is still there. The three nations are still there. What am I thanking you for? That's the song you must sing in faith. Thank you, Lord. Your love never quits. That was the song they were to sing. Thank you, Lord. Your love never quits. I'm still in my troubles. That's what faith does. See, anybody can sing after the breakthrough. It takes faith to sing and dance in the middle of a battle. Thank you, Lord. Your love never quits. It points to what we talked about last week, talking about the good, good father, right? His love never quits. And that's what you must sing when you find yourself in a fix. Thank you, Lord. Your love never quits. Lord, what if we get tired of singing that tune? Can you give us another one? No. Keep singing that one. Thank you, Lord. Your love never quits. Thank you, Lord. You love me so much. Your love won't stop. I was in San Diego, California, and I, I, I was having a Bible study with this couple, a very wealthy couple uh, out there, and uh, we were having a conversation, and, uh, and, and they asked me uh, uh, at the end of the Bible study, they were really interested in knowing this question. They asked me, they said, hey, Pastor T, uh, what was the most uh, a powerful revelation that the Lord has ever revealed to you? And I went on to say that the most powerful revelation I've ever seen in God's Word is this, that God loves me. You should, have seen it. you should have seen their faces when I say that. They were disappointed. <laughs> they were like, come on, man. You can find something bigger than that. I said, man, that's the greatest. To know that his love never quits. To know that his love for me is unconditional. Because it fuels my faith. And it quenches my fears. Perfect love casts out all fear. Faith works by love. I said, man, once I know that God loves me, man, my faith begins to work and my fears are expelled. They were looking for something deeper, you know, in the book of Revelations, you know, numerology or something deeper. But I said, no, God loves me. That's the most powerful revelation I've ever seen in the word of God. And as they were singing this song, watch what happened. Verse 22, as soon as they started shouting and praising, here's what praise is. You know, praise and worship, it's not just something we do uh, uh, as uh, preliminary to get to uh, the preaching of the word. It's, it's probably more powerful than the preaching of the word because it, it is the only time. Have you ever thought about it? It's the only time we, as the body of Christ, are completely, entirely in, in, in unity. 
We are singing the same thing. We are of the same mind. When I start preaching, some of you, no, I, no, I don't agree with that. No, I don't. You know what? Actually, I'm going to take a nap right now. I'm going to wake up when this guy is done. And I'm, you know, <laughs> we're not in unity. But when it's praise and worship, guess what? Everybody's. In fact, in heaven, there won't be any preaching of the word. But we'll still be praising and worshiping. I was in the States, you know, uh, 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 I mean, this was crazy. I was getting ready to preach in Atlanta, and the pastor and myself were in the office. And uh, for me, praise and worship is everything. That's why, you know, you won't see me coming in two songs. I, I don't want to be late for praise and worship. I, you, you can be late. I don't want to be late. The first note hits, I'm right here. I don't want to miss out on spiritual warfare. It's the only time I get to defeat some stuff. So I'm not missing out on that. And this pastor was of a different mindset. So we're sitting in his office, and the praise and worship starts. I could hear the music. Boom. Next drop, bro, let's go. Like, no, no, we're not going to. Why not? I mean, we must walk in by about the third song. For what? Because that's what the man of God does. No, that's not what he does. I want to go right now. Man, I could see the people are shouting, they're screaming. I mean, they're winning. And here you are keeping me in your office (laughs) so that I can look like I'm important. What's up, bro? Come on, let's go right now. I mean, I felt I was disappointed. I'm thinking, man, I want to be there. I want to be where it's at because this is spiritual warfare. And watch what happened. As they were singing. This is awesome. As they were singing, uh, verse 22, as soon as they started shouting and, and praising, God set ambushes against the man of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. As they were attacking Judah, they all ended up dead. And I want you to notice, God ambushed Ammon, uh, Moab, and Mount Seir and acted on behalf of the children of Israel while the children of Israel were just busy praising God and giving him thanks. God did that for them without them actually trying to get God to do it for them. I want you to notice God never said for them to start praying breakthrough prayers. I've got nothing wrong with breakthrough prayers. They have their place. But in this instance, the highest level of spiritual warfare you can bring against the enemy is a mouth that, and a heart that is full of thanksgiving and praise. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Notice these gentlemen were not saying, Lord, I send fire to Ammon. Fire. I send fire to Moab. Fire! I send fire to Mount Seir. Fire, 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 fire. Do you see that? All they did was, thank you, Lord. Your love never quits. And God acted on their behalf. You look at Paul and Silas in Acts chapter number 16, verse 25. Beaten, stripped naked, thrown into prison. I mean, they had every reason to complain and mama, but they are in prison and they are sitting, I mean, they they had been beaten real hard, stripped naked, beaten under the feet, beaten all over. They had everything to, to complain and mama about. Com- compare their wounds. Look, look, look over here. My, this one is swelling up, bro. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, this one. Let me see. Oh, man, he got you on the eye. No, they didn't do that. You know what the Bible says in verse 25? It says at midnight, they started to sing praise and give thanks to God. And as they were giving Thanks and singing praises to God. The Bible says that there was an earthquake and the prison doors were open, flung open. You know why? Because God promises us in the Old Testament that he inhabits the praises of his people. When you start to lift up a praise and a thanksgiving, God's manifest presence leaves heaven and it comes to be with you in your situation. And that's good news. And that won't be produced by complaining and murmuring. That won't be produced by talking about it. By faith, you ought to praise God and give him thanks. And as they did that, man, uh, uh, all these dead bodies uh, were killed. Verse 24, as Judah came up on the rise, looking into the wilderness for the horde of barbarians, they looked on a killing field of dead bodies, not a living soul amongst them. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to carry off the plunder, they found more loot than they could carry. Man, you're trying to, uh, to get to a place of plunder. You're trying to get to a place of provision. I've got the key for you. Fill up your heart with 
with praise and thanksgiving. And stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Murmuring and complaining is not a godly uh, spiritual force. Amen. I don't know why you, Lord, I don't know why you send me to this thing if you're not going to provide for the 5,000 people. I don't know why you send me to this thing. I don't know why you're doing this to me, Lord. No, you give God praise. And as you do that, God will act on your behalf. I call it accidental breakthroughs. Paul and Silas were not binding the prison gates. They were just busy giving God praise and thanksgiving. In fact, they were not even praying to be rescued from the prison. Do you realize that? Because the Bible says when the prison gates were opened, they didn't walk out. They said, oh, what's this? They were not shooting at the prison gates. They were praising God and making God big in their lives. As you do that, God comes to inhabit your praises. And he, while he's there, he fixes everything that's broken. Man, it's your spiritual weapon. The only thing that's standing between you and your breakthrough is how big your God is to you. God is big. God knows he's big, and he's big. Amen? The only thing we, we need to check is, is he big to you? Amen? I said amen. On Thursday, I had something come upon me. Man, it was a spirit of heaviness and and confusion. I mean, I could sense a spiritual attack. On Thursday, I was uh, uh, sitting at my house working, and I knew immediately it's time to give God praise. It's time for me to make God big. So I took, you know, uh, uh, my shoes. I took my mask, and I walked out of the house, and I walked all the way into the neighborhood. And as I'm walking, thank God for the mask. It's the only time I thank God for the mask when I'm praying in public. I put the mask on, man. I'm just walking around saying, Lord, as you did it for David, you're going to do it for me. Praise the Lord. As you did it for Abraham, you're going to do it. Oh, you are God. That is powerful and awesome. Uh, David at the first rock. I'm, I'm rehearsing these stories because I'm trying to convince me of how big he, he is big in himself. He is big, but sometimes I can be tempted to think that he is not as big as he really is. So I always take time out to work on me. And so I'm working on me. God, you are an awesome God. You, you are, and man, I could literally feel that spirit of heaviness lift off. Just, just lift off. By the time I came back to the house, man, my God was now big in my heart. And man, I was smiling again. I was having a good time. Praise Jesus. I was getting ready to see the power of God in my life again. And that's what God is calling you to. Amen? Don't look at your life just merely from what it looks like in the natural. Look at what it looks like in the spiritual realm. Amen? Amen? And in the spiritual realm, you and I are winners. Amen. We are winners. Amen. Uh, there's this show that they have on TV. Uh, it's a boxing show, a UFC, you know, fighting show. So what they do is uh, they play uh, a fight that's been fought like a few years ago. You know, not a popular fight that everybody would know who the winner is, and they put it on your screen. And while the fight is, is playing, and they're getting ready to get to the knockout punch, they freeze that thing, and then they ask you to guess who you think is going to win. And nine times out of ten, you always guess it wrong. You know why? Because you are just looking at what you can see with these eyes. You are looking at who's got the bigger bicep. Oh, yeah, that guy's got the bigger bicep. Oh, yeah, that guy looks like he's got it going on. You're talking, you're looking at the things that you can see with these eyes. None of us are looking at who trained the hardest. None of us are looking at uh, who's got the most uh, intelligence in this fight because you can't see that. So we basically uh, make a, a, a decision on what we can see with this physical. Nine times out of ten, I pick the wrong guy, and boom, the guy gets knocked out in the face. And that's what happens when you're purely looking at everything from the natural perspective. You bring David and Goliath in the valley. You freeze that thing. You come to the Christians. Say, who's going to win this battle? Everybody in the church is a Goliath is going to win this battle, Pastor. Goliath is going to win this. It's a given. Look at the guy. He's nine feet tall. Look at the guy, man. The guy is a, he's a, he's a big guy. He's going to win this battle. But those who've got the spiritual eyes, those who know that it's not just what happens in the natural, they will ask this question, who's got a covenant with God Almighty? And when they get the answer, then they make the decision based on that. 
Man, you put Gideon, uh, uh, he's, he's standing in there with 32,000, and he's got 135,000 strong that are coming against him. You freeze that thing in the middle of the story. Just freeze it and come to this group of, hey, listen, who do you think is going to win this battle? Everybody say, oh, Gideon, you better dig up 32,000 graves. Gideon is going down because he's outnumbered. But those who look in the spiritual realm will say, no, Gideon has God in his corner. So Gideon must win this battle. Now, you bring it to 2020. One, we put you in the valley against your FNB account, 600 rand strong. We freeze that thing. We say, who's not eating this month? <laughs> and here's the question that none of you dare to ask or bother to ask before you make your decision. Who's got God in their corner? Who's got a covenant? Is this the F&B account that's got the covenant relationship with the Lord or is it's me? Who's got the covenant? Before I make my decision, before I commit myself to any decision, I just want to know who's got God in their corner. Who's born again, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost? I just want to know who has got God in their corner. Once I know who that person is, I'm able to make that decision. Because they always win. Watch this now. All the time. It doesn't matter whether the stacks, the odds are stacked against them. They always win. David, you may not have a bicep as big as Goliath, but because you've got God in your corner, you're going to win this one too. Gideon, you may only have 300 strong enough to go with you to battle against 135,000, but because you have God in your corner, and I came to tell somebody in here today that you may only have 60 bucks in your bank account, but because you have someone called Jehovah Jireh, you've got someone called El Shaddai who is in your corner, you are about to win this one too. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. Man, you get a bad uh, 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 diagnosis from the doctor. You freeze that thing and ask some questions. Who's got God, Jehovah, uh, 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 Rapha, the healer? Who's got God? Who's got Jesus? Before you make any decision, before you commit any emotions, I just want to know who's the born again one. Is this piece of paper the one that's got Jesus or is it the person? Once I find out it's the person, man, I'm investing my emotions of victory in the person. We're going to win this one too. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, it's time for us to walk by faith and not by sight. Some of you haven't gone house hunting because when you froze that thing, you felt like, man, I'll never own a house in my life. Am I talking to somebody? Never gone house hunting in Hyde Park. And take time out. See, see, there you go. That sarcastic laugh. Did you hear that? Because people are like, yeah, that's for somebody else. Man, it's for you. Man, you are God's children. Some of you genuinely, the enemy has convinced you. He froze that thing and you keep voting for your circumstances. It's time for you to vote for the power of God. Some of you, the enemy has convinced you you'll never own a house. And therefore, you know, you just decided I'm going to hang it up. I'm just not going to do anything. about. I'm not going to go house hunting. If someone dares to even suggest that, man, you look at them like, are you crazy? Do you know where I'm at? Yeah, we know where you're at. You're just a shepherd boy. In your own strength, you couldn't do it. But thank God you've got God in your corner. Amen. 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 You only have 300, Gideon. Uh, in, your, I mean, in your numbers, you couldn't do it. But thank God, God is a part of those 300. And anything with God in it becomes a majority. Amen. And some of you, we ask you, what's your dream car? You look at what you can afford. That's not the question. That was not the question. What's your dream car? You know, uh, right now? Right now, Pastor? Right now where I'm at? No, we didn't say any of that. We just said, what's your dream car? You know what's good about being in a state of faith? I call it the faith stage of imagination. You know what's so awesome about it? What's so awesome about being at the faith stage of imagination is I can switch it up anytime I want to. (laughs) We've heard about... uh, Six church buildings so far from the time I started imagining them. I built the other one. I had glass everywhere. And then I woke up on Monday and I didn't like it. Tore that thing down. It didn't cost me a penny. 
I tore that thing down, and then these days I'm building another one. It's like a dome. And, you know, if I get tired of it, I'm going to tear it down and then build another, and it's not going to cost me a penny. Some of you won't even dare to imagine the house of your dreams because you are so fixated on what's in your wallet. You are so fixated in, in, in what you have as ammunition. All David had was a sling and five stones. That's all he had. But he had God too. Praise God. And I'm telling you this morning, not only do you have uh, 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 all these circumstances coming against you, troubles are going to try to lash themselves, people are going to come against you, but God is in your corner. And you're going to win that battle too. Amen? So stop complaining. Stop worrying. Stop murmuring. God is in your corner. So it says here, uh, there was so much loot, more than they could carry, right? So much equipment, clothing, valuables, it took three days to cut it away. On the fourth day, they came together at the Valley of Blessing, Baraka, and blessed God. That's how it got the name Valley of the Blessing. The way to get to the Valley of the Blessing is thanksgiving. And praise. You're not going to get to the value of the blessing complaining and murmuring about your situation. Amen? We're going to take a fast this week. You ready for a fast? We're going to take a fast this week. This week you're going to fast from small thinking. Just seven days. Some of you it's probably going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Fast from small thinking. Because I've been there. You know, demons are easy to cast. One word, you can cast out a bunch of them. Puma, boom, they're gone. But small thinking, how are you going to cast it out? It's probably one of the hardest things you're going to do this week. In your entire life, to start thinking big. Start thinking outside of your circumstances. Start thinking outside of what you have in your account right now. Amen? I said, amen. Amen. It's going to be one of the hardest things you will ever have to do. But guess what? It's time to do it. Some of you are going to have to go to a dealership and test drive cars that you knew your bank account could never carry. Yeah, I just want to drive it. Listen, those test drive uh, cars, they were put in that dealership for you. They're just waiting for you to come and drive that thing. Some of you won't go there because, you know, after all, it's Porsche. (laughs) So I'm going to go to uh, Mitsubishi. Right? Man, I go and I, I walk in there and I, I look at that thing. And <laughs> when Billy Eppard came, Billy Eppard, he came to preach. He's the CEO of Andrew Womack Ministries. My wife and I, you know, took him for breakfast in Santon, right across. And after breakfast, you know, uh, he, he, he said, hey, let's go to this uh, Rolex uh, shop. We went into the Rolex shop and he was asking questions. What is this one called? And he took them, put them on his hand. And he didn't buy anything, but... I, I was looking at his confidence. I was like, man. Because, I mean, he, he took one watch. They said to him, it's about 335,000 rand. He said, okay, put it on here. Put it on. It did this. It did put that thing on. They give you a mirror. You, you looked at the mirror. You said, okay. Uh, put it back. Let me try that one. Yep. Boom. It, and I'm standing in there thinking, man, I think we should get up out of here <laughs> to go find me a citizen watch. Man, I'm telling you, we have to rise above small-mindedness. Amen? Amen. So we said you're going to fast from small thinking. The second thing you're going to fast from is negative thoughts. Negative thoughts. You're going to have to uh, fast from negative thoughts. The way you you do it is by filling your mouth with praise. Whenever negative thoughts try to attach themselves onto how you're going to pay for this one, how you're going to do that one. And some of you have mastered this art of worrying. You can go 30 years from today and start, you know, worrying about how am I going to pay that in 2050? How am I going to pay that? Come on, just enjoy today. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to fast two things, negative thoughts and small thinking. Who commits to that? Negative thoughts, small thinking. Praise the Lord. In fact, we have a testimony to share. Uh, 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 I'm going to call Sipo up. I didn't think 
of doing this uh, before service, but I'm going to call him up. He, he's a testimony. He was on one of the services where uh, prophetically I said something like I just said now, and, and something miraculous happened to him. And you want to come up, Amanda, too? You, you do this together, right? You, you are, you're a family. You want to come up? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can come up here so the camera can. <laughs> Thank you. You guys are Thank matching, you. too. Man, are we matching? I'm matching with them. We actually discovered in the morning that we actually wanted to wear the same thing. Praise so we God. Actually didn't That's think awesome. But so who's going to share the testimony? Um, Amanda or you? Wife. Yeah, yeah. She can share. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you can, you can go for it. All right, so what happened is we're sitting in the service just like how you are seated here. And uh, uh, PT preached actually the same message. He, he was actually saying, no, you guys, you need to go out there and view houses. You need to, you know, you need to think big. You need to stretch your mind. You need to stretch your faith, you know, because these things are actually made for you. So on that side, we're actually pumped up, you know, uh, after the service. Like, you know what, baby? Let's actually go and, and, and check out the houses. So we went to see the first uh, uh, new development. We got there, you know, they told us what they required and what, what, what. And already with us actually stepping out of the car, we'd, we'd disqualified ourselves. We're like, you know what, anyway, this is not possible. We're not there yet. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that are against us. You know, we, 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 as much as we're in faith, we trusted God, but we thought, no, this is, our house is just too big for God. So it went on and went on, and Pastor T actually also challenged us in a home cell. Like, you, uh, now, actually, I went to see Pete in his office as well. Like, you need to go out there and start looking for, you know, houses. Just check out houses, see what's out there, you know, and, and, and yeah, and trust God for one. And I was... I was there, but, you know, I was like, yeah, Peter, I hear you. I'm standing with you. But at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, it's not possible. You know, it's not possible, you know. So time went on that because the seed had been planted, you know, we got tired of where we were because we had small, we were a little boy. He, he's energetic. He liked playing. And where we're staying, it was the second floor. So... We want something on the ground. So my wife was like, you know what, maybe we should consider moving and go uh, get another, and rent somewhere else. And I actually thought, like, it's the same thing. How long are we going to be moving, you know, you know, trying to get a place? And, you know, I got this, uh, uh, what you call this faith, you know, this angry faith, lack of a better word. I was like, you know what, baby? I actually just tested it. I was at work, like, you know what, let's go view houses. You know, and my wife was so excited. She actually went onto property, just started Googling, started sending me pictures, and third work, I decided, you know, let me start calling. We made an appointment. I think it was a Wednesday. We made an appointment for Friday. We saw the first house. Like, nah, we don't really, you know, like it. We saw, we saw the second one. You know, we we actually liked it, and but we were not. Uh, we went there to be. And maybe to put on the picture, we went there not to buy. We were just doing an exercise to prove something to God that really, this thing, you know, faith this works, faith but yeah, it's, it's, it's limited somewhere, somehow. So we went there, we saw the, 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 the agent, the guy's like, you know, we, with confidence, just like how PT put with Billy, Billy Epart. I don't know what happened that day. But I was so confident. I asked the guys, oh, okay, so this is the property, okay, so how do we go about it, what, what, what? The guy like, no, if you guys are interested, put an offer. And my wife is actually looking at me like, dude, are you for real? <laughs> you, you know, I'm like, what? yeah, put an offer. Actually, I've got the papers in the car. You, can, you guys can, can, can put an offer. Like, yeah, and then I turned to my wife, babe, are you sure you like this house? You, should we, you know, put an offer? Like, yeah, it's nice, it's big, and yeah, let's, let's go for it. The guy went down, signed the papers. Trust me, we had nothing in our bank account, even close to what, you know, the property was requiring. So we signed the papers, the guy, and we put in there just to be on the safe side to protect ourselves, because they say, if uh, we put in there to say, if it's 90%, if the bank approves 90% of the bond, we'll go for it. 
anything less than that, you know, we, we were going to just pass. You know, it's nothing to do with us. I go like, yeah, no, it's fine. So we signed everything. And hold and behold, no and behold, you know, the, the, we, the, the, we submitted our papers with a property agent. They did the, the vetting and everything. They came back to us after, was it two weeks? Three? Almost a month or so, you know, going to, to and forth. And the next thing was, because actually we were in a place, we were not, we were expecting it, but we were not expecting it. You know, that kind of thing. We were not really convinced. You know, no and behold, after a month or so, you know, the guys came back to us. She said, you know what, guys, you've been approved 100% by the bank. And as well, maybe to encourage someone, just take note, we didn't have, my wife wasn't working. And I'm a commission-based uh, person. And on top of that, I'm using... It was level five. It was level five. It was uh, level five and the mid of uh, the lockdown. pandemic. So meaning that actually, because they look at your uh, six months pay slips before they can decide how much you're going to get out of the loan. So uh, I hadn't worked for two months of, of those uh, six months. But still, they gave me 100%. And on top of that, my permit was expiring by the end of the year, but they overlooked all that. So, child of God, these things are Praise possible. God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you stand on your feet? Praise God. We're going to pray for y'all. Man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the power of God is right here. And he is going to work on your behalf. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to pray a prayer that was sent last week in the devotion. Uh, Sipo and Amanda are actually our life group leaders. My wife and I go to that life group. And at the end of the life group, they said uh, to us, we're going to pray this prayer in the devotion. And uh, as we were praying it, I, I felt the power of God. I, I knew uh, that it was a God thing. There was presence in it. And uh, so we're going to pray the same prayer. Uh, this morning, it's in your devotion. Those of you who have signed up for the devotion, if you haven't, uh, you can sign up uh, today at the uh, desk outside, the sign-up desk outside. Uh, but I'm going to pray, and then you'll pray after me. And this is the prayer. Say, Dear Father, I thank you for your word that guarantees me a stress-free life. I thank you, Lord, that you desire that I live a worry-free life. I thank you for my life. I thank you that you have already given me everything, everything that I require pertaining to life and godliness. In you, I have everything that I need to live a victorious life here on this earth. Father, I trust in you. My confidence is in you. I believe that you will do everything that you promised me that you would do. My life is secure in you. Your word is forever settled in heaven. Therefore, I will keep my focus on it. Your word is true noble, just, pure, lovely, full of virtue, and is of a good report. Therefore, I will meditate upon it continually. I choose to let your peace rule my heart. Your peace is the umpire in my soul. It determines how I react to negative situations. I will prioritize your kingdom and above all, you will take care of all my needs as I do. I will not concern myself with what other people think of me as I know that you are well pleased with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. Now I'm praying for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for these 
your precious sheep. Lord, I thank you for their lives. Lord, I pray right now to that man, for that man, for that woman who's been struggling with stress, with worry, with anxiety, with fear. I just pray right now your peace which surpasses all understanding. I just pray now your peace which goes beyond what we can figure out. I just pray now over their lives your peace which is based on your character, which is based on who you are. You are the Prince of Peace. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Lord, I thank you this morning for a constant peace, a consistent peace. We speak against any restlessness in the night seasons. We speak against any nightmares in the night seasons. Lord, we thank you for peaceful sleep. We speak against any insomnia struggling to sleep. For we know in your word in Psalm 127, you have promised us sweet sleep. You have said in your word that to your beloved you have given them sweet sleep. And so I pray for every man, every woman, under the sound of my voice, that promise. I release the promise of peaceful, restful sleep in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those who are continually and constantly tired from worrying and uh, uh, stressing about things. They are emotionally tired. I pray right now for a rejuvenation of the Holy Ghost. Times of refreshment are here. Lord, I thank you, Father, for times of a revival in their soulish realm. Lord, I just pray that today marks a new beginning in their lives. Lord, I thank you that today marks a day that they begin to see by their spiritual eyes, that they begin to see a reality that is greater than what we can see with these physical eyes. Lord, I thank you, and I give you all the praise. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. And someone said, amen. And amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who